You know, we all need more love than we deserve. That's true for me, and it's true for you. Here's the good news. God showed his great love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Today, we have a choice. In every moment, in every relationship, in every situation, what if we let love win? Good morning, church. Hope you guys are doing good today. If you don't mind, I'm going to kind of sit this morning. Um, before the 845 this morning, uh, I was getting ready to come in here and preach. And something in my back just gave out. I guess I'm getting old. Sorry. Um, and so I'm going to sit this morning. If I fall off the stool, Grayson's going to come and pick me up and we'll keep going. But I think we'll be all right. I hope you guys are doing well this morning. It's, it's a beautiful beautiful morning. The weather has turned and it just feels amazing. And I'm so glad we can gather in this house. For all of you who are joining us for Church Online, thank you for joining us as well. We're grateful to have you with us. Um, we're, we're in one of my most favorite times, if not my, my most favorite time of the year here in the life of this church. Uh, every year it's, it's in this season, this time of year, when just collectively we kind of lean into this idea of, in my mind, in so many ways, you know, what it means to be the church. And so we've got Engage Sunday this, this coming weekend. And then after that, a couple of weeks, we've got Harvest Sunday coming up, a time for us to, to literally be the church. So if you come next Sunday, which I hope all of you do, um, it's going to be Engage Sunday. We won't be worshiping in here. Our worship is going to be uh, out in our community, being the hands and the feet of Jesus, worshiping through serving. And I could not be more excited about that. It's an opportunity for us to, in a very literal way, practice being the church. And I hope, I hope all of you, if you haven't done this yet, I want you to pray about it. But I also want you to click the link in your Riverside email and sign up. We, we really mean this. We, we really should have 100% participation in Engage Sunday. There's something that everybody can do, whether you're old or young. There's something there for everybody, ways you can serve, ways you can help, ways that together we can, we can be the church in this moment and engage, as we say, engage in what matters most. I think Jesus would say it's a way for us to participate in making things on earth as they are in heaven. So I want everybody to do that. And then I want you to pray about Harvest Sunday because the truth is all of us can give something. No amount is too small. We can all give something and be a part of funding and blessing and helping our mission efforts here locally and around the world. I, I love this season in the life of our church. And these are two Sundays that in very practical ways, right, um, we lean into what it means for us to let love win. To, to let love when the day in our lives, when it comes to our time, when it comes to the talents God has given us, when it comes to our treasure, the resources that we have around us. And I want to lean into those ideas again today, but I want to start with this question. And I'll be honest, it's a, it's a bit of a personal question, so you don't have to answer out loud, but I want to invite you to think about it. Here's the question. What is your biggest debt? What's your biggest debt? Now, again, I know it's a kind of a private question for a lot of us, and so you don't have to, to say much, but I want you to think about that. What's, what's your biggest debt? For some of you, maybe you found your way to financial freedom, so maybe the question for you might be, you know, what's the biggest debt that you had that you paid off? All right? What's the biggest debt that you had that you paid off? A couple of years ago, uh, Alicia and I, we bought, we bought a new house. 
this was actually December 2019, right before the pandemic hit. We decided to move. Of course, we didn't know that was going to happen, but we're, we're really thankful it worked out the way it did. It was a blessing in so many ways. Uh, but when we did that, um, uh, those of you who've bought a home, you know how this works. Uh, we set a date to close on the house, and we go to uh, this office. We sit in this conference room with a big conference table. And they put down all these papers, this contract we have to sign, and we're signing our lives away. We don't really know what all we're agreeing to. We're signing so many papers. But throughout the process, we know we're agreeing to, to do some things uh, that, that, that uh, you know, when we sign these documents, we're going to agree to abide by the HOA you know, bylaws in our neighborhood. We're going to agree to make a, a monthly payment on our mortgage. We're going to agree to pay property taxes, to pay for insurance, all these things that we're going to be agreeing to do. And once we finally finish signing all the papers, they give us the keys to the house and we're able to move in. And if we stay in this house long enough, right, if we stay there long enough, we could pay off that debt. We could pay off that house. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while, I'll be honest with you. But if we stay there long enough, it's a debt that can be repaid. And, and you guys, you know this. This is how it works, right? There are some debts that can be repaid, but there are some debts, if you've lived long enough, you've come to understand this, there are some debts that can never be repaid. Think about a young couple um, that I know. Uh, first, you know, first job out of college. Guy's a, a youth minister at a church making pennies. Wife is still in college. Uh, they go through that first year just living on nickels and dimes. And it, April rolls around, right? So it's time to, to pay, pay your taxes. This is what everybody in America does, right? And so it comes around. They don't know how to do this. They've never done this before. This is a whole new deal. They're learning how to be adults. All, all the jazz, you guys know how this works. Um, and they're really a bit lost, but they're thankful because one of the guys in their church is a CPA. And so he comes to him. He actually has a daughter in their youth group, and he says, hey, I want to I do your taxes for you, and I'm going to do that for you for free. Wow. Uh, you know, what a blessing, right? That's an amazing, amazing thing. And that was really great news until he came back a couple of weeks later and said, well, I've, I've looked at the numbers, and, um, and you actually owe a lot of money in taxes this year. There were some mistakes made when they set up the payroll, and, and you owe a lot of money. Well, this was devastating news. This young couple didn't have any idea how they were going to come up with the money, how they were going to pay this, what they were going to do, what did this mean. But their CPA friend wasn't done talking. He said, my wife and I have talked, and we want to pay your taxes for you. And then we want to help you get everything set up the right way. They did for that young couple what they couldn't do for themselves. Think about friends of mine. They're older. Um, they've, uh, their kids are grown and now their kids have kids. So they've got grandkids now. They're in that season of life. And beautiful family, beautiful kids, beautiful grandkids. I mean, just, just living, just really a, a blessed life in so, so many ways. And everything was going so well until one day they got the phone call. And some of you, you know what this is like. You've gotten this phone call. Someone you love has gotten this phone call. But they get the phone call from the doctor, and he's got cancer. Well, their world begins to come apart at the seams, begins to unravel a little bit. The good news is that there are treatments available for the type of cancer that he has, and they think that he'll do well, so they agree to do that. The bad news is it's going, to, it's going to be expensive and insurance isn't going to cover everything that it's going to cost to get these treatments. 
He goes into the hospital. He gets the treatments. Time goes by. And the good news is he's responding. He's doing really well. The treatments are working. So they're feeling really good about that. But the flip side is those, that medical debt, those medical bills, they're, they're growing exponentially. And insurance isn't covering everything it needs to cover. And they don't know how they're going to pay the bill. Another friend of mine hears about their situation. And one day he gets in his car and he drives to their house out in the country, goes down their driveway, goes up to the door and knocks on the door. They open the door and he says, hey, can we talk? And they were like, sure, sure. They come outside, they sit on the front porch and they catch up. Hey, how are y'all doing? How are you doing? How are you feeling? And he's feeling good that day. It's a good day. Things are going well. And then my friend leans in and he asks him this question. He says, how much do you owe? Well, again, that's, that's kind of a private, personal question. And, and, and this, this couple, they're, they're not used to being on the receiving end of this kind of thing. Uh, ironically, they're, they're, they're givers. Like, they are the most giving people you would ever meet. They're like some of you. They're, you know, we would call them difference makers. They're always at church. They're the first ones there, the last ones to leave. They do everything from, you know, driving the bus to the, the youth retreat, to taking out the trash, to making the coffee, to unlocking the doors, to closing the doors. I mean, just whatever's needed, they're like, hey, how can we help? What do you need? We'll do it. They're that kind of people. They're not used to being on the receiving end. They're always giving of their time, their talent, their treasure, whatever they have. They're, they're that kind of people. And my friend leans in again, and he's like, really, tell me, what, how much do you owe the hospital? And then he goes on to say, I want you to know, um, man, I've just, I've just sold my third company. I literally have more money than I know what to do with. And God has put you on my heart. And I love you guys. And I feel like God's blessed me in this way so I can do something like this. Just let me know. Let me know. What, what is it? How much do you owe? So finally they walk into their house and they grab the bill from the hospital and they come out and they show him the number. He doesn't blink an eye. And he takes out his checkbook and he writes a check for the entire amount. He gets back in his car after he gave him hugs and after they shed some tears. And he drives away. And he did for that couple what they could never do for themselves. So maybe the question isn't, what's your biggest debt? Maybe the question is, what, what's your biggest debt that you could never repay? What's the biggest debt that you have that you could never repay? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is actually a really easy question to answer, right? If, if you're a follower of Jesus, the answer to this question is, is what God did for me at the cross through Jesus. That's, that's the, the greatest debt I owe that I could never, ever repay. God did for me in Jesus what I could not do for myself. I, I have a debt of love that I owe that I could never repay. I couldn't earn it. I, I don't deserve it. What happened at the cross, it, it's a sheer act of mercy and grace, and it's a, it's a debt that I could never, ever repay. And that's absolutely true. But did you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, that that you are supposed to make payments. There is a debt of love that you owe. There is a balance outstanding. Did you know? Did you know that you're supposed to make payments? Okay, some of you just got really confused and I lost you. That's okay. 
Uh, Like you were with me when I said, you know, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You were with me when I said that we have a debt we can never repay. But I lost you when, when I said that you're supposed to make payments. And you may be confused about that. If that's you, it's okay. I want to invite you, though, to open up to Romans chapter 13. Um, Romans is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and, and he's never been to the ancient city of Rome at this point in his life when he writes this letter, but he's heard about these Jesus followers living in Rome and this church that has started. And so he writes this really incredible, beautiful, meaningful, significant letter to these Roman Christians, these, these Jesus followers in the city of, of Rome, to encourage them, inspire them, teach them, instruct them, hey, this is, this is what it means to be the church. This is what it looks like to be a, a follower of Jesus. And I want to I show you what he says right here in Romans chapter 13, because some of you are really nervous, and uh, I, I want you to know I'm not going to ask you for money today when I say that you're called to make payments. You are, in fact, but it's not what you think, and I want you to understand. Some of you are like, I don't need another payment. I'm, I'm good, so, but just track with me for one minute. Romans 13, verse 8, Paul begins by saying this, Owe nothing to anyone. Owe nothing to anyone. So generally speaking, Paul wants these Jesus followers to know that, that, that we're not supposed to be people who are in debt. Right? This is one of the ways that we live differently. We don't want to owe anyone anything. Paul understands that what Jesus did at the cross, he set us free, like ultimate freedom in every imaginable way. That includes financial freedom. And Paul wants these Christians to understand, hey, there's no reason for you to live in slavery in any area of your life. In other areas of Scripture, we read things like the borrower is slave to the lender. And Paul wants them to understand, hey, you don't need to live your life owing anyone anything. I don't want you to be a slave to anyone or to anything. You need to be free from that in every way except for one. Except for one. He says, owe nothing to anyone except, except for your obligation to love one another. In other words, we have a debt of love. All right? We have a debt of love. And, and you know who we're in debt to. We are in debt to God. Who do we make payments to? Well, here's the plot twist. Here's what nobody saw coming. We are called to make payments, to send payments to others. It's true. You and I could never repay God for what he did for us through Jesus at the cross, all right? It it just can't be done. We we can never repay the debt of love that we owe to God. And even if we could, God doesn't want it. What does God want from us instead? He wants us to take that love that we've experienced, and he wants us to pay it forward. He wants us to take the love that we've received at the cross, and he wants us to share it with those around us. In fact, Paul says we have an obligation Just like I've got an obligation to make a payment on my house every month. I signed a contract to do that, right? We have an obligation as people who have received the great love of God through Jesus at the cross to make payments on that debt of love. And how do we do that? By loving others, by loving our neighbors. Paul uses this financial language to teach us, to show us how love works in God's 
economy. And it's an upside down kind of way of understanding the economy of love according to God. But this is how it works. Because of what you've received from God, you need to make payments on that debt of love you owe. But you don't make it to God. You make it to others. Paul goes on to say this in the rest of the verse. He says, if you love your neighbor, you'll fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. Most of you, you've, you've heard these commandments before, the Ten Commandments. This is the law of Moses, the law of God for the people of God. All of that, these and other such commandments are summed up. All of those things are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. And that's actually a pretty amazing statement. I know for you that may have some impact, but for for these Christians reading this letter for the very first time, I promise you their jaw would have hit the floor when they read this because they understood that when, when you think Ten Commandments, when you think Law of Moses, you think maybe those ten things that we should do or shouldn't do, how, depending on how you read them, right? There's actually, though, according to the religious teachers at that time, some 633 different commands contained within the Law of Moses. This was the contract. This was the covenant between the people of God and God. And in order to live up to that contract, in order to keep that covenant, they had to, they had to, to do all 633 of these things. And now Paul is saying... All of that, all of that is summed up in this one command. You want to know what it is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Just like I'm obligated to make my house payment every month, as followers of Jesus, we are obligated to love our neighbor as ourselves. What does that even mean? Some of you, you know this, we've talked about this before, but it may be helpful just to remember that in the Greek language, there's, there's all kinds of different words for love, right? So there's, there's a word for brotherly love, there's a word for romantic love, and then there's this word for love, which is pretty familiar to you if you've looked into this before, it's the word agape, agape love. And agape love, it's not so much about emotion as it is about doing things for the benefit of another person. Doing things for the benefit of another person. So how do you repay the debt of love that you owe? Well, I don't know about you, but I can't think about what's, you know, help but think about what's happened recently in the life of our own church. If you walked into our church this morning and you came in through the foyer, you saw a sign there for Chad and Gentry Bradstreet. Chad was here this morning at the 845. Um, just recently they, they became foster parents. And then uh, very quickly after becoming foster parents, they had three foster kids living in their home where they're a young couple. They've never had kids before. And so now all of a sudden they need things they've never needed before. They needed things like clothes. They need things like toys. They need things like books. Now this is pretty amazing what they're doing, right? Talk about making a difference in someone's life. Talk about making an eternal impact. Talk about loving your neighbor. Like they're living this out in a very tangible, real-life way. But all of a sudden they have these needs for things that they've never needed before and word gets out in this church. And the very next Sunday when they show up at church with these three new amazing beautiful children, guess what happens? Our foyer is full of clothes and books and toys because you knew what the need was and you wanted to meet the need. 
Jesus once was asked, hey, what's most important? And you know the story. Most of you know the story. He said, well, first, I want you to know this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So in other words, love God with everything that's within you and everything that's outside of you. Love God with all you have and all that you are. But second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I think about that young married couple in their first year of marriage, and I think about the the older couple that came alongside them and not only paid their taxes that first year, but helped them get set up and change the trajectory of their lives. I'll never forget that story because that young couple was me and Alicia. And they did for us what we could not do for ourselves, and, and they didn't want us to pay them back. At the time, we couldn't have. Now, we pr- could probably pay the money back, but they don't want the money. What they wanted f- from us was for us to pay that forward. When I think about my friend who drove down the driveway of my other friends and he wrote a check with one stroke of the pen, paid off their entire medical debt, he, he didn't want to get paid back. He wanted them to find a way to pay it forward. And when, when, God, when God sent Jesus and Jesus went to the cross, God didn't do that so that you would look at him and say, how do I pay that back? No, he wants you and he wants me to find a way to pay it forward. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that every time we find a way to love those around us. Paul said it so beautifully. Don't owe anything to anyone except for this, your obligation to love one another. How do you do that? How how do you do that? You do that every time you actively, you actively love your neighbor. Every time. Every time you actively love your neighbor, you repay that debt of love that you owe to God. And this is what we're called to do. I I know sometimes when we gather in this place, um, you you come in here and what you really want from me, if you're being honest, some of you, especially those of you who've been to going to church a long time, is you really want me to tell you something that you don't know. Like, show me some hidden treasure in Scripture. You know, teach me something new. You know, read me some Greek. And some of you are nerds. You like that kind of stuff. You know, I want to learn something brand new. And that's good, and I love doing that. But, you know, I think sometimes my job is just to remind you of what you already know. And you already know this, right? Some of you do this. Some of you are really good at doing this. Some of us others, myself included, not so much. But this is what all of us are called to do. All of us are called. To respond to the great love of God by finding ways, tangible, real, meaningful, actual ways to love our neighbors. To love those around us. To love those within this church, right? To to, to find ways to love each other inside these four walls, that's huge. It's important. That's what we're called to be as the church. And to love those outside this church. Those outside these four walls, those in our community, those in the world around us. This is what it looks like to make payments on the great debt of love that we owe to God. We do that every time we love each other. Church, if you would, let's stand. I want to invite our worship team, our band, back on stage. And we'll try to stand up with you. So, crazy story, but this morning after I got done preaching at the 845, another one of our members came to me and said, Hey, um, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. 
and the treatment was going to cost over $100,000, and the insurance wasn't going to cover it. And two families within this church came to me and said, we got you covered. Here's what I know about this church. Whenever there's a need, and you know about that need, you always respond. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again. This month marks Alicia and I's six-year anniversary at Riverside. And over the last six years, we've seen you respond with this uncommon generosity we talk about over and over again. I don't know of a need that was known that was not met. Okay? But I want to ask a hard question before we close. Have we missed a payment? Have you missed a payment? Have I missed a payment? I'll, I'll raise my hand and tell you, I've missed a payment here and there. I've missed an opportunity to love you. I've missed opportunities to love people in our community. I missed one this past week. As soon as I drove away, I knew, uh, in fact, this week I may go back and make it right. Have you missed a payment? Have we missed opportunities to love each other and to love our neighbors? I I, I think it's really easy. I'll be honest with you. It's very easy to get up here and to preach a sermon about loving your neighbor. I can only imagine it's pretty easy. I've heard them too. Pretty easy to sit and to listen to a sermon about loving your neighbor. But if we're honest, where it gets difficult is actually doing it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Sometimes it's hard. Let's be honest. Just do it. So I want to challenge you this week. I'm challenging myself too. Do something this week to make a payment. Do something this week for a neighbor. It can be a literal neighbor. It can be someone in this room. It can be someone you meet at Walmart or at a restaurant. I don't really care. But what I do care about is you and I doing something, loving for someone else. And watch this. I'm not talking about a handshake or a high five. Because I think you would agree that it's not loving if it doesn't cost you something. It doesn't have to cost you money. You don't have to pay off somebody's medical bills or somebody's taxes. Don't get me wrong. I use financial examples because Paul uses financial language. But it does have to cost you something. It may be time. It may be some of your talent. Or it might be financial for you. I don't know. But I think you would agree it's not loving unless there's a cost. Anytime you've experienced love, it's because... It's because it costs the person that loved you something to love you that way. So find a way, a tangible way, a meaningful way, a significant way to love someone around you. And when you do, just trust that God sees, God knows, and God understands what you're doing in this moment is you're paying him back for the debt of love you owe that you could honestly never repay, but you and I will spend the rest of our day trying to pay as we love others the way he has loved us. Let's sing.